You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 996 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Tuesday evening into Wednesday. And today's show is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS app store and find one of our Locked On rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Today's podcast will be myself and Nate Duncan of the Dunked On podcast, as well as Hollinger and Duncan on the very same Locked On podcast network. Nate is a Great analyst with regard to NBA stuff across the league. Obviously has some insight on the Hawks as well as the Knicks and much more. So that is coming up momentarily. And uh, we enjoyed that interview that I did with Nate earlier today. Um, also, I want to plug our two-part episode yesterday with Tower Jones. Always a friend of the podcast. Tyler is. Always fun to talk to him. Got some good, good feedback on that podcast. Tyler is a character to be sure, but we always have fun and he's very smart. Um, so that was an interesting discussion. It's still very much available for you to listen to. And because the Hawks do not play until Sunday, there's plenty of time to listen to everything that's going to be happening this week, both with Tyler and this podcast and much, much more that is coming. But again, I said Sunday because the NBA announced on Tuesday that the Hawks are going to be opening game one on Sunday in New York. It could have been Saturday, but it's going to be Sunday. The schedule beyond that, though, is still a mystery as I'm recording this. So we will see on that. But uh, what we what we didn't know now is that Sunday will be the opener. So uh, mark your calendar for that. I speculated, and again, I say speculated. This is a guess from me. I'm not reporting this, but I would imagine the game will either be at like 1 o'clock in that first window because it's two Eastern Conference teams playing the Eastern time zone, or maybe that like 7 o'clock window. Uh, there's a 3.30 p.m. Eastern time slot, but that's an ABC game, and I assume it'll probably be like the Lakers. Uh, they usually go with that high-profile draw in that spot. So I would guess either 1 or 7 uh, but again, that's a guess for me, and I will definitely have some reporting on that as it comes in later this week. Um, as for sort of non-plugs and non-schedule stuff, there was a bit of a troubling update from the Hawks on Tuesday evening. Brandon Goodwin, the Hawks' backup point guard, um, has been diagnosed with a minor respiratory condition which requires treatment and will keep him out for the remainder of the regular season and the season overall. So at this time... No further details are available with regard to Goodwin's condition. Uh, He did tweet after the announcement from the Hawks at about 5 o'clock on Tuesday evening that he'd be back soon. That seems to be pretty positive, but uh, other than that, we don't know anything else other than he has this respiratory condition. Um, He was listed as out with flu-like symptoms for the finale against the Rockets on Sunday. Uh, I don't know anything else beyond that, but hopefully, uh, I would say the number one thing by far is that Goodwin um, sort of is healthy. Uh, in the future. Uh, Obviously wishing him the best in terms of health. He's a very popular player, a local product from Norcross and Gwinnett County, so uh, already some built-in goodwill there for him, but even beyond that, like, you want to root for anybody to be healthy, and it seems like this could be minor, but, uh, and the Hawks did say the word minor in their release, but uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, that all all is okay with Brandon. As far as basketball stuff is concerned, may not have a huge impact on the playoffs in that he wasn't supposed to be in the rotation anyway, but, you know, the depth is a little bit shoddy in the backcourt right now, if anything were to happen to Trey, obviously, knock, knock on that on Wood. <laughs> but uh, beyond that, and, and Lou Williams. But Chris Dunn was out in the finale with a left ankle impingement. So he's a question mark to be sure. And now good Goodwin's being out. So uh, not a whole lot of depth there. They don't need a lot of depth in the playoffs. They're playing a short rotation, I would imagine. But something to keep an eye on if they get a injury at any point in the playoffs. 
But, um, you know, again, the biggest thing is the health of Goodwin, and we'll leave it there for now. Uh, last thing before we get to Nate and that conversation that I had with him earlier today, um, the Hawks practice on Tuesday, which is the sort of their return, their first practice in the uh, post-clinch, post-regular season world, because Monday they had, the, they had the day off. Um, it was kind of an overview day, according to Nate McMillan, as he told the media on Tuesday. They're planning to go live on Wednesday with some more like Nick-specific sets and installs and some actual live, you know, five-on-five action. Um, but today was more of an overview kind of day. Um, defensively, I guess is the focus for McMillan, according to what he was saying. Uh, not, a, not a huge, not a huge surprise there. He's always a defensive guy overall. Plus, they had some trouble with the Knicks in the regular season, which he definitely acknowledged. Uh, you know, Randall and Barrett in particular. That's definitely going to be the focus throughout this week, and as it probably should be for Atlanta. Um, DeAndre Hunter, there was an update there as well. Um, nothing new in terms of um, negative information. It's all positive right now. No issues with Hunter. Um, he said that his knee feels his knee's feeling good, and that he's just trying to find his rhythm and his wind right now. McMillan said uh, he is going to be assuming the restriction is going to go higher for for Hunter at the very least, although it's still uncertain as to whether he'll have one at all. You know, a full week in between games almost, we could see Hunter go without restriction. I'm not sure. And neither is Nate right now, but all signs are positive. You know, he obviously played 24 minutes in the finale. So, um, obviously, a little bit higher than that, you would hope, if he's still uh, on track and healthy and feeling good and seems to be doing that. So, a pretty positive update with regard to that. All right, as we get to Nate in a moment, I want to just kind of plug Nate. If you don't know his, his work, he's the co-host of Dunked On um, with Daniel LaRue. Uh, I believe that's five days a week. And then he also co-hosts the Locked On Network's own Hollinger and Dunkin' Podcast with John Hollinger of The Athletic. That's once a week on this very network. So check that show out, obviously, as well. And uh, a lot of fun to be had. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's show, and the first of which is Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or your favorite sport. Locker Room is a perfect place to start and join conversations about the league, and you'll find fans just like you in Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, of course, reacting to all the biggest news and rumors. You can even find lots on hosts across MLB, NBA, and the NHL, including some of our big-name folks. In fact, I know for a fact the Hollinger Dunkin' Podcast has been on there, um, recording live and then sharing that on their podcast platform. All kinds of our hosts are up and down the channels. You can find them in the Locked On rooms, and you definitely should go ahead and check that out now. In fact... Go download the free Locker Room app, currently available on all iOS devices, and be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join any of the conversations about the NFL, MLB, and NHL, in addition to the NBA, for all the latest league updates. I know you'll find incredible rooms about your favorite teams in your leagues, and I'll be sure to let you know once there are even more rooms going on from the Locked On team. Download the Locker Room app today. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. I am joined now by a man who does not need to be introduced by me. Nate Duncan is here. Hello, sir. What's going on, man? Good to be on again and uh, talk a little playoffs. Hawks, Knicks, not a series that I can say that I thought a ton about at the start of the season. I don't think anybody did. I mean, I know uh, when you and I talked on, on your show before the season, you know, the, the Hawks being in the playoffs isn't a huge surprise. Uh, the Hawks being the five seed may be a mild surprise, but the, the Knicks being the four seed is not something anybody saw, I think. No, that, not at all. And uh, it, it's going to be a a fascinating matchup here and uh you know Sixers fans will be watching <laughs> with uh with bated breath on this one as well but yeah I think like the Hawks season I don't know was this a surprising outcome to you that they did as as well as they did I, mean, I can't remember what you you're usually a 
hawks pessimist slash realist <laughs> depending on uh yes on how things turn out but i i thought you and i were pretty much kind of online as having them around 500 this year am i remembering that right yeah my final prediction was 38 and 34 but i was closer to 37 than 39 so like slightly above <laughs> slightly above 500 uh but yeah so i mean them finishing fifth does not blow me away you know 41 and 31 was in the realistic realm of expectations but my point is and i wonder if you agree like I would have been more surprised about 41 and 31 with all of the injuries they've had more than anything. Like if you told me all they were going to be this banged up, that's even more surprising that they were able to do what they did. Yeah, I I thought so. And when Lloyd got fired, I was thinking, well, it's been, they're 14 and 20, but they have a neutral point differential. Yes. They've had some embarrassing losses down the end that he deserves uh, some blame for. But given all the injuries, yeah, I was like, yeah, they weren't really below expectations. They were playing well with Trey Young on the floor. They had yet another open sore at backup point guard that was killing them. They had <laughs> a bunch of injuries in the front court. And so I didn't think that Lloyd, you know, his record was bad. Obviously, due to the personal reasons, uh, they ended up moving on from him. And that turned out to clearly be the right decision. Uh, although, obviously, their luck in close games really changed as soon as McMillan came in. But McMillan deserves some credit for that but no i i didn't think that they would be nearly as good as they were and i credit travis schlank for finding guys like tony snell solomon hill guys you know not world beaters but who were able to come in and give them production that wasn't going to kill them oh yeah it's been huge i mean as much as depth was a strength on paper, it, they had to go even deeper than we thought and also had so many more injuries than we thought. You know, Hunter having the breakout and then also being out for months. Like Donovich missed 25 games and Gallo, you expected to miss some time. So that wasn't a huge surprise, but they were really shorthanded. They were missing six, six seven guys at a time at, uh, at different points. And to be able to plug in vets who won't kill you like Hill and Snell, I, I tend to probably overplay that. Uh, I'm a big I'm a big fan of role players, which Hawks fans make fun of me about. But I think it's important. Like I don't want to gloss over. Like they would have been in some actual peril without guys like Solomon Hill and Tony Snell, which sounds funny, but it really is true. Well, and those guys, frankly, were missing the last couple of years when it was yep DeAndre Bembry and rookie Cam Reddish. You know the like those guys are an upgrade who are just gonna execute the system defensively, hit some open shots. And because Trey Young last year wasn't the problem, right? Like that. So I understand why you focused on it so much because they're just putting out these guys who, you know, outside of Trey Young couldn't hit a three and struggled to execute the system defensively. So it it did actually make a a big difference, I think. Um, But yeah, I I was uh, a lot of surprising stuff uh, about this Hawks season. And one thing I, I know you wanted to talk about, and I listened to your show couple of days ago uh, talking about the awards and I know you and I are kind of on the same page of this is Trey Young was an all-star starter last year kind of the darling of the league doesn't make the all-star team this year okay Hawks had maybe disappointed a little bit I didn't think they had disappointed and and again if you looked at the numbers when he was on the floor they were very very good uh, the first half of the year but then to not even get any all-nba consideration basically it seems like from anyone because okay, his three-point shooting is a little bit down, That's and his floater shooting is down some, but, like, the Hawks are winning. It's just – it's shocking to me. It is very befuddling is the word I would use. Like, 
the way I think I said is like, look, if, if you don't think Trey is one of the six best guards for all NBA, I don't have a problem with that. I really don't. I'd have him somewhere in that, you know, five to eight range. If you think he's seven or eight, like I, I totally get it. But there, there's basically been no, I know you are an exception to this rule about having Trey in that mix for 13 all NBA, but it's really kind of been, he's been an afterthought or an honorable mention type. And I, I don't really understand why I think he's actually been, Yes, the shooting numbers are a little bit down. I think he's probably been better this year on the whole, or at least the same as last year on the whole. When you factor in everything else, his defense has been a little bit better. His efficiency is still totally fine. The assists, he's the only guy in the league that averaged 25 and 9, which those are arbitrary numbers. But, you know, if you factor in what he has done statistically with the Hawks team's success, it's just a little bit strange to me that he's gotten like no buzz. And the all-star thing just looks even crazier in retrospect now. I mean, I know you do this right all the time, but guys like Sabonis and Vucevic making the all-star team over Trey Young just seems totally asinine at this point. Yeah, well, but, you know, the, the Pacers were the four seed at the time, right? <laughs> yes, they were. They got they have to get rid of Well, so what's uh, – I'm going to try to explain the best I can why I think it is. I mean, you're, you're the national guy, not- so enlighten me. Let me on this. Well, well, I mean, it. Uh, hopefully, I can point out. I mean, obviously, I believe that other people are being irrational, but but I mean, I guess I can preface that with, it's got to be frustrating because, you know, the rules just like don't seem to apply, for some players, right? It's like, oh, well, you have to reward guys for winning, right? Like, okay, well, you know, Julius Randle is getting all kinds of all NBA love for example, but because of that, like Zach Lowe said, it would be rational to put Julius Randle on the all NBA first team, which I, okay. I thought that was, that was a little bit of a, an overstatement there, but yeah. Uh, and Demonis, well, the, their Pacers are the four seed. They gotta, they gotta have somebody, right? How the hell do these people think that the Atlanta Hawks are winning basketball games? You know, like, like what, what do you, because that's Trey's, whole argument or like Chris Paul well hey the the sons of the two seed like he should be in the MVP conversation and it's just but like for some reason that doesn't apply to Trey Young and so all right why do you think that is well I think the foul drawing is one it just he's just annoying kind of (laughs) annoying for some people to watch he you know some some of the drama with the coaching uh, I mean, I think there's just some people that just don't particularly like him personally. Um, so, so I think that's part of it. There's the fact that his efficiency is down a little bit this year, particularly uh, on those floaters. They started poorly, so out of sight, out of mind. They were a disappointment at the start. Uh, now they brought in McMillan. He is the story that they uh, Nate McMillan, and then Bogdanovich came back. And he's been pretty good. So maybe, and Capella is also a new guy. So everyone's kind of giving the credit to those guys, maybe than Trey, because he's the one who's already here. Um, But I think the biggest thing is that people, and you know, there's a perception that Trey is selfish. He takes bad shots. But to me, what people don't understand is his passing. That's the thing that they just have no understanding of, of just how much his passing juices the offense and it's just it's so easy to just look at how good the hawks are offensively when he's on the floor even when they haven't really had any other offensive players available they've still hummed along running everything through him that 
how can you conclude anything other than that he is the main engine of that? Oh, and the defense, obviously. I mean, that that's the other reason too. You can just you can just focus. Anyone can use guard defense as an excuse now for a guy just being completely not considered for anything. Whereas uh, Danny, I've talked pretty extensively about how not meaningful guard defense is, and in fact, you know, when they've had Clint Capel on the floor and Trey, correct me if I'm wrong here, the numbers have been totally fine, right? Like I, I, Trey's not a great defender, but I always felt like their defensive problems were not his problems, you know, that if you put competence around him, he wouldn't kill you at least. And that has turned out to be true. Yeah. I mean, it remains to be seen if Trey's defense in the playoffs, as we get into talk about that, yeah. will be a bigger, di- will be a bigger oh, deal. Yeah. But I, I totally agree with you that, you know, yes, he's bad, but the notion, you know, if he ranks, you know, dead last in whatever metric, I know he was at least last year was dead last in a few. And I get that. Like no one's saying he's good. He, he's bad defensively. I think yeah. he is a little bit better this year, a little bit. And also, like you said, point guard defense, it just is, it's overrated how bad or how destructive he is. Like if you, if you line up Trey Young against like Enos Cantor defensively, I can tell you which one's more destructive. It's not Trey Young. Like there's no way. Yeah. So 1000%. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it, without going down that rabbit hole, I just I know I know you're a little bit higher on what Trey has done, so I'm glad we talked about that a little bit. But uh, it, it has definitely been um, baffling to me on some level. Before we get back to Nate and I talking about the Hawks and the Knicks, etc., a word from our sponsors, and the first of which is Built Bar. Built Bar is wonderful, as I always say on the podcast. But what is your favorite Built Bar flavor? Did you know that Built Bar has nine delicious flavors plus the occasional limited time flavor and when you talk about Built Bar, it's always a passionate thing for people that really enjoy their own flavors. And if you don't know the flavors, you're really missing out. It's coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry, and many more. There's something for everyone in my favorite flavor right now anyway. I have many favorites, to be honest with you. But right now, I'm really loving the peanut butter brownie. That's just one that I'm really enjoying. I like to dive into that as much as possible. I always uh, talk about how much I enjoy Built Bar, and that is the one that I am diving into at this moment in time. If you haven't tried the flavors though, get a mixed box right now where you get two of each of the nine available flavors at this moment in time. And not only are the Built Bar flavors fantastic, they're also very healthy. Most flavors have 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, only four grams of net carbs, and a couple others have even more protein if you enjoy that kind of thing. Order today, get that raspberry, mint brownie, or whatever you would like. And if you do it in the near future, you go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, 15% off your first order with Built Bar. Use promo code LOCKED15, 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Today's show is also brought to you by the good folks at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing in addition to the NBA playoffs, which get going this week. And you can track all of the action at BetOnline. Get all the latest news, odds, and information on all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, of course, NHL, UFC, MMA stuff, golf, tennis, auto racing, horse racing, all that you need in the sports world, in addition to entertainment odds, political bets, etc. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device, check out all the greatest sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in on the game as your team prepares for the run of the playoffs and even once they get there. Head to the website right now or use your mobile device sign up today and re- receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's 50% welcome bonus if you use the promo code Locked On. The promo code is Locked On. 50% welcome bonus with BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Kind of before we get into like Nick specific stuff, I wanted to ask you like, this is very general, but I'm asking everyone this this week before the series. How how good do you think the Hawks are? Because 
it's kind of a, 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 a sort of a tale of two seasons between 14 and 20 and then 27 and 11. And the truth is probably somewhere in the middle, but I'm kind of asking that very broadly on purpose to tee you up. But how, how good is this team in your mind right now? Yeah, you talk about it as a regular season team. Well, I mean, yes, but also looking to the playoffs, like, you know, because obviously you and I understand, I think more than most would, that the playoffs are just different. And the Hawks, have, uh, there's a lot of new Hawks fans that have not seen that yet. But I'm trying to drive that point that point home this week about just how different the basketball is. But yeah, I mean, how good how good are they in the regular season and and almost separately, how does that translate? Because this team's not been in the playoffs as constructed like this or even been anywhere close to that. I think they're pretty good. Yeah, you know, more I would say of the quality of a team that's like, you know, more of a, a, a typical kind of and they were they tied for the succeed. I think they won the tiebreaker, but well, the, the kind of a typical six to eight seed, they're getting a very, very easy matchup uh, compared to anyone else that, that they could have. And if they didn't have that tiebreaker uh, with the Southeast division, then they would have been in the sixth seed and they would have probably got swept by the box or maybe won one game if Trey got hot. Instead, they got a, a matchup with a, another playoff ingenue. And, you know, I think they got a, a pretty good chance of winning it so that's uh that's something to keep in mind here particularly a, a team that's not all that experienced also their coach uh, doesn't have the greatest playoff record but neither does the coach that they're going against <laughs> frankly so uh, all that is going to be fascinating i think another thing to keep in mind too is that competent teams like if you look at like the last two weeks basically every team that was playing for something won every game that they were supposed to right like you know those two two games against orlando at the end i mean they're orlando just had no chance they had nobody playing there were six seven teams that were tanking so and you know if you played the oklahoma city thunder the orlando magic rockets. or the houston rockets in the first <laughs> yeah. half of the season that's actually a real game and so that that's always to be remembered too that unless you just have a really hard schedule down the end you're just if you're a team that's trying and is any good you're just naturally going to win more games down the end and and so you probably end up with maybe three wins four wins more than you would if everyone was actually like really playing hard so that's something to consider as well i, I think they're a solid team deandre hunter how much he can give them. I think he's a key figure for them going forward. Uh, and uh, so uh, he's just now coming back. Uh, I, you'll probably have a better line on how he's looked than I have. But uh, so I, I think he'd be important in their playoff versatility. But I do have a, against a real, like, good playoff team, like a, a normal team, not like the Knicks that you'd expect to advance in the playoffs. I do think they have some major structural weaknesses. Yeah, I was going to ask you, but we could, just, we could do it now just to knock it out real quickly. Uh, let's, let's assume for a moment, and this is uh, – I'm, I'm going to couch this because this is not something I'm, I'm definitely assuming, but if, if the Hawks were to win this series, they're going to be playing, you project anyway, unless, you know, barring some Joel Embiid injury, they're going to be playing the Sixers in round two. And uh, the question I get a lot is like, okay, what happens in that series? And I, I always just say, well, worry about the Knicks first. But let's forget about that for a second. Uh, not going to tell you – ask you to give me a percentage, but – uh, do you think the Hawks are drawing dead against the Sixers or is it a situation where they can be competitive? Because that's, I don't, I don't know the answer to that. Obviously Philly would be a big favorite in that series. No one's saying otherwise, but um, sounds like you might be on the drawing dead side in a, uh, I guess, a, against a fully healthy Sixers team. 
Uh, yeah, I think the the talent advantage certainly skews towards the Sixers. And I don't think the Hawks really can do anything with Joel Embiid. But also, one of my bigger reasons for why I'm a little bit lower on the Hawks long-term, and you've heard me talk up Trey Young as a regular season player ad nauseum probably at this point, is that I really worry about Trey as a playoff player. And part of the reason for that is that playoff teams have big wing ball handlers that can go after Trey, run a small pick and roll, and attack if they get him switched on or get him stuck uh, under the basket in a situation where he's got to be physical. Uh, so the defensive component is pretty difficult for him. And then defensively, I'm not sure about Trey's ability to beat a switch and the Sixers themselves are kind of a weirder playoff team. It's rare that a number one seed is built around someone like Joel Embiid. That's one of the fascinating questions to me about these playoffs is how much Joel Embiid is going to be able to be the guy who can push the Sixers into championship contention because we haven't seen really since Shaq and Dwight Howard, a team that's built around a center to the extent that they are offensively and defensively, obviously, as well, but a center who's a drop-back center. The Sixers don't really change up their coverages that much so I do think that and then they don't really have that ball handle like they'll do some stuff for Tobias Harris but uh then if you do something for Tobias Harris you have Embiid and Ben Simmons out there too it's a little easier to help you know you don't have this combination of defensive versatility and then spacing plus awesome big wings on the other end that was just I think would cause the Hawks massive problems so I actually think that they you know, structurally, they can compete. You know, there's nothing that's good. I don't know that Philly is just going to like totally take them out of what they want to do and just totally abuse the matchup. But also, I think Philly just ha has more talent, particularly on the defensive end. So, you know, it wouldn't shock me if that got to be a six gamer and Trey actually had an OK series, but I probably would end up picking in a five. I'd want to see, obviously, how, how everyone plays in the first round. Yeah, um, and not to go down this road uh, too far, but uh, I would say that is a better matchup than you would maybe expect for the Hawks against the number one seed. I'd rather play Philly than Brooklyn, that's for sure. If I was <laughs> if I was the Hawks, or uh, or even yeah. Milwaukee, honestly, I think I might rather have Philly, Philly than Milwaukee as the Hawks, given how they've played them in the past. And I know they had their playoff foibles, which would be the I guess the question there with Bud uh, Hawks legend, of course, by Budenholzer. But um, yeah, interesting enough. Okay, I, I don't want to go down that road too far. Uh, let's talk about the Knicks series. So we've talked about the Knicks being not necessarily a traditional uh, power top four seed playoff team. I I'll ask you this first. The Hawks are not great defensively, but they're pretty good with Capella on the floor. Is there any reason to think the Knicks are going to be able to score at a high level in this series? Because that's, I, it's, it's almost weird that I would say this, but I'm almost less worried about the Hawks defense than I am about the Hawks offense in this series. Well, one reason is I think Julius Randle and Again, you've watched these games more close than I have. I think I saw one of the three. Uh, I went back and looked at the box scores, obviously, before we stopped, we talked. But I don't think they have a great matchup one-on-one -on -one for Julius Randle. Maybe they don't. That's, <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, DeAndre Hunter, I think, is a possibility there. Um, I, I know, know you would not have watched this game, but uh, not to cut you off. I know you wouldn't have watched this game because it was wholly irrelevant. But the, the season finale, the Hawks-Rockets game, uh, Rockets yeah. were useless. Um they did some very interesting things. They had DeAndre Hunter like guarding Kelly Olynyk, 
And I, and I wonder if, if it was like kind of in preparation to have him guard Julius Randle. Like they were having Collins guard more perimeter guys in that game. And they were obviously tinkering in a game that didn't matter. So I don't want to make too much of it. But that was kind of a flag to where some of us that paid very close attention were like, I wonder if this is because they want to have DeAndre guard Julius Randle. Yeah, John Collins, I'm guessing they probably don't want to have him on Randle. But then that makes things a little bit more difficult at the end of the game. Maybe you would even say through the meat of the game, I don't think you would want to do this. But when, because you want him being able to help at the rim and the Knicks always have a big center, so Capella can always be in position. But maybe, you know, the last five minutes of the game when Randall really goes into that ISO mode, putting Clint Capella on him could be interesting. Yep. You know, Capella it hasn't done much guarding on the perimeter this year, but he had experience doing that in Houston. And yeah, when he was guarding Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, he would get beat, but I think Capella could actually be okay against Randall. You know, I think uh, some of that probably depends on who they're going to close with at power forward. It's me Collins or uh, Gallo or even DeAndre Hunter, potentially if they go with like a more versatile group, although I guess I see Hunter playing the three more. Uh, so I think the Hawks, yeah, can, can defend the Knicks. Okay. Now one thing to re- that's going to be interesting about this series is, how long does Tom Thibodeau play Keith Bogus? I mean, sorry, uh, uh, Alfred Payton yep. at, at the start of games, because especially when you're locked in with playoff defensive coverages and scouting reports, they are just not going to guard him. And that Nick's starting lineup, the plus minus has been awful the last few weeks or so. And the Knicks have been the one team that's kind of been struggling to beat even teams that they kind of should be favored. Yep. Against you know their last three games all at home went down to the wire, and so I think they're at the start of games they're really struggling to score. If you don't guard Alfred Payton, you've got Noel out there. Barrett has become a, a better three point shooter, uh, so that's been important. And they got Bullock out there, but only having two shooters on the floor in this day and age is a recipe for just not scoring. And Tibbs is never going to take his big centers off the floor. So do they? Would they start Derrick Rose? Would they start Emmanuel quickly? Obviously, Tibbs, there's no chance he doesn't start Alfred Payton in the first game. Right. And as long as they're winning games, he'll keep doing it. But uh, I think that's that's where I think the Hawks can really get a big advantage is uh, in the beginning of halves uh, when Payton is out there, and particularly on the defensive end. And there's somewhere to hide Trey as well when Payton's on the court. That's you don't you don't have to worry too much about that matchup, um, because if if they're playing their best lineups, you don't necessarily want Trey guarding Derrick Rose if you can help it. Um, maybe you put him on yeah. Bullock or whatever you need to do there. But there are I'm trying to tell Hawks fans a little bit about this, but like guys like Trey and Gallo are just going to get picked on more than they normally are. And the, the Knicks are on one hand a favorable matchup for that, but Tibbs knows like they're not going to just ignore and run a regular season offense against Trey and Gallinari. They're going to have to scheme those guys a little bit i would yeah. expect maybe no, they won't no and tibbs especially at the end of game he's all about get the matchup for your best player that's yep. like that's what he does at the end of games it's pre- pretty much a one trick pony but that trick could work decently against the hawks yeah because obviously trey's gonna be on the court uh you know gallo may not be but they're gonna have to have trey out there so uh, maybe some offense defense subs very very late in games but other than that um, they have to sort of game plan uh for that um I guess on the other side of the four quickly, um, you know, the Knicks have a top five defense. They've been, they've played really hard. They're playing Tibbs ball. They don't have a lot of weaknesses. 
how do you see the Hawks offensively stacking up? Because, you know, they've been really hot lately. Part of that's Bogdanovich and, you know, Trey, as we've talked about a number of times, is really good. But uh, how do you see them sort of attacking New York's defense? So as I went back and looked at uh, the regular season matchups, I thought there are two really interesting statistics. One is that Trey Young hit three three-pointers against the New York Knicks all season. He hit one, in, I think, in each of the three games. He was awful uh, shooting the ball. Uh, and the other is that Trey, I think, cumulatively over the three games was something like plus 20. And it was <laughs> yeah. the, the the one that they lost in overtime, that's the one where he hurt his ankle, right? He yeah, the, 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 thir- the third game, they were up eight when he got hurt, and then they went to overtime and lost by like 10. But they were going to yeah, win that game he, if he didn't hurt, I think. And he was plus 14. Uh, yeah. Now, as I mentioned, you have the effect of Trey Young starting the game and the Knicks starting a bad lineup to start the game as well and bringing Derrick Rose and quickly off the bench. So that's something that may end up changing. But Tom Thibodeau generally, uh, they've done it pretty much all year. They're just going to play a drop coverage. And again, correct me if I'm wrong here. Did, did they do that pretty much the whole way against Trey or did they actually – like get guys out on the floor there were against him and pick and roll it was more it was more more or less drop and there was a few instances when yeah. they kind of threw a curveball at him but yeah it was again it's regular season but they didn't do a whole lot to and that kind of probably speaks to a little bit of why Trey was so effective at times uh, getting into work getting, getting into the paint because they kind of let him do that yeah uh so I, I think uh Trey hitting three-pointers is going to be massive obviously you know, against a drop coverage, Trey does pretty well. Also, that floater is probably going to be a, a, available for him. Uh, you know, particularly when Taj Gibson is in the game. You know, Noel, I think he's got a little bit more ability to have so get out on the floor a little bit more, and, and Gibson does too. You know, he's done that back when he played the four for Tibbs. He's older, but he still has some mobility, and it, it, he'll get intense out there on the floor. But you know, that's what Tibbs wants to do is play the drop coverage, and so. Trey Young's ability to beat that coverage, you know, get a good screen, get an open three off the dribble, make those, uh, force them into doing something that they don't want to do defensively because this Knicks team is unbelievable protecting the rim. Noel, even, even Gibson is pretty good. They are just going to pack the paint. You can get threes against them. Their Jedi three-point defense has normalized <laughs> the, the last bit of the season if you you can get threes and you can hit them but you're just banging your head against the wall trying to score against this team in the paint and because they're always going to have that center there so if you can get them out of that coverage so that they haven't played all year make Thibodeau adjust which he doesn't really want to do that much in the playoffs that to me is the real important determination of how things go offensively for the Hawks yeah, you talk about them walling up around the rim, and you know the Hawks are at their best. At least they have been this year when they're playing two bigs. And you know John Collins can just space the floor a little bit, but they they usually feast on teams that are not stout at protecting the rim. Between the pick and roll stuff with Capella and Lobs and uh, Collins mismatch um, stuff in the post, but this is not a matchup necessarily for that. It sounds like in your mind to like really take advantage of their size advantage because usually the Hawks are the bigger, more physical team when those guys are playing together. Yeah, and maybe Capella can tell on the offensive glass some, you know, because Noel is he's a little bit smaller, like Capella might be able to bully him around 
a little bit but yeah i mean that trey floater is gonna be there and i that was one of my favorite shots in the league last year for whatever reason it hasn't gone down this year uh, actually something i wanted to ask you that i've had this observation maybe you've heard on the pod that you know trey i think all these nagging injuries have kind of caught up with him and he doesn't look as quick to me this year would you agree with that it, both in terms of like beating switches and the, and just getting to the basket and, and finishing yeah probably a little bit especially i would say in the back half of the season you know everybody's worn down right. but he was on the injury report a lot. Like he'd be probable with a hip thing or a calf thing. And I think he's just been banged up and not that he's settling for the floater, but he's willing to take it. And I think that's a, not a, not always a, a distinction of him, not, not winding all the way to the rim, but he's certainly probably not been a hundred percent healthy this year. And the floater kind of, he fight, he kind of found it knock on wood for Hawks fans late in the season. He really started to kind of get in, back into a groove with it, but it's obviously a swing shot. And that, um, because that's where not only in this series, but he just likes to get there. And especially right now, if he isn't hundred percent, which I don't think he is not that he's hurt, but you know, just kind of banged up a little bit. It's something to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah. So what else do we need to talk about here for this series? Yeah. I mean, uh, before I let you get out of here, I, I need to get your, uh, your predictions, but I, I, I guess I'll, before your final prediction, if you had to pick one factor, one X factor, one swing, factor that's going to decide this series because honestly you look at the betting markets or whatever you want to look at it's basically seen as a toss-up uh i did laugh when espn's panel released their predictions and 14 out of 16 picked the knicks that made me laugh a little bit um just because of how lopsided it was but i think beyond that it seems like kind of a coin flip um is there one thing that's jumping out to you that's like going to decide the series not that it's always that easy but if you had to pick one thing well especially that we haven't talked about it yet i think uh which coach makes the better adjustments yeah these have both been somewhat stubborn playoff coaches uh, nate mcmillan owns the record for the closest playoff sweep loss in nba <laughs> history back in, in 2017 to the Cavs. they play the Cavs again in 2018 i thought he had, had a, a tough performance there and, and tibbs uh, his team's generally uh, with the exception i would say of uh, 2013 when they were totally undermanned and they beat the Nets in the first round his teams have generally underperformed part of that I think is just because the teams themselves are kind of optimized for the regular season with the, their defense and playing hard every night so other teams maybe have a higher ceiling than Tibbs teams do uh, you know but particularly like 2018 against the Rockets his he had zero answers against the Rockets switching, for example. So which coach is going to be able to throw some curveballs at the opposition and which coach is going to be able to adjust, get a little bit creative, try some things that aren't just, you know, dance with the girl that brought you type of tactics. Other than, I, I mean, I would say Trey's three-point shooting would be number one for me, but we talked about that already. So sure. that, that's probably the thing we haven't hit on that much as these are two kind of old school set in their ways coaches and maybe neither of them will do massive adjustments uh, we'll see but i i think that's uh that's an underrated aspect uh, of how this series is going to go yeah i agree i probably would be talking about it more if they weren't playing tibbs and the knicks you know what i mean just because i'd be a little yeah. bit more worried i was uh talking about this a little bit before it was all set but if they've been playing the heat and you see spolster and how creative he is it would have been a little bit more alarm bells especially after the way that the heat beat up on the pacers last year in the playoffs but that that just didn't happen 
So here we are. <laughs> oh, I, there's one more thing we haven't talked about too. And this could go one of two ways, but I, I think it, it'll go the second. One thing you could say is, well, Julius Randle and RJ Barrett, those guys have been playing 40 minutes a game or more all season. They're ready. They're in condition for this. They're going to be able to outlast the Hawks. The other way you can interpret that is the Knicks have had this big advantage because they've been playing their best guys for over 40 minutes a game. Right. And so now that the Hawks, you know, Trey Young will probably play at least 40 minutes, you would think, um, you know, there's a big burden on him. So maybe you wouldn't want to go much beyond that, but they're just the Hawks, especially with the depth that they have, like, they're not going to have any bad lineups out there. And if guys aren't performing, McMillan can just go back to the starters. Capella can play a ton now, you would think, unless he gets in foul trouble. And, you know, he's someone who may need to play somewhat fewer minutes just due to, like, his. Uh, it's just harder for him. It's harder for big men. Overall, that's something that he's struggled with in his career. So, like, really get his conditioning up to be playing a, a ton of minutes. But I think that's largely in the rear view mirror for him now. So I think that, you know, there's not really much. And also the other thing too, is that the Knicks backups, they usually kill it when their backups are on the floor against the other team's backups. That's why Derek Rose has such good on off numbers for them. So I think that advantage is going to go away for New York. And that's probably why I would end up picking the Hawks in this series that I would say in the end, um, yeah, I mean, to your, to your so point there, Knicks, by the way. Knicks are the four seed, so they have, they have home court, right? They do. It's uh, They're going to open on Sunday in New York. Before I, before you finish your prediction, uh, I'm, I'm going to back you up with numbers here. Trey is the only guy on the Hawks roster who has averaged more than 31 minutes a game this season. So Trey, 33, Herter, 31, Capella, 30, Bogdanovich, 30, Hunter, 30, uh, Collins, 29. So, like, they have some room to push those guys up, to your point. Yeah, Herter is an interesting one, too. We haven't really talked about him much, but I think he's someone, particularly with Hunter back, where you probably would want to minimize his role a little bit, particularly him playing with Trey together. Uh, you know, And if they're, they've got Derek Rose and R.J. Barrett out there, Barrett isn't someone who can beat good defense, but he can beat bad defense. He can just kind of bully his way through guys. And so I think lineups with Trey and Herter out there together are going to need to probably end up being minimized. You know, I think, what do you see as the Hawks closing lineup here? Trey, uh, Bogdan, Hunter, uh, and then Capella, and then whoever they want to do as the four. Yeah, I would say probably those four in Collins uh, in this series, um, especially because I don't think the Knicks are going to go super small and like play them out of that. But also it might matter what they do with Randall too, because if they don't want to have Collins guarding Randall at the end of games, it gets a little bit tougher, but generally McMillan's closed with two bigs um, with Collins and Capella, if that is working at all in that game. So I would probably lean to that five man group and they might not even start. I mean, I assume they're going to start with that, that, that lineup, but because Hunter hasn't played very much and McMillan doesn't like to share information <laughs> at all. Uh, I'm guessing they're going to start with that group too, but that's a question mark. I don't know. Yeah. And how much uh, DeAndre Hunter can play that that's going to yeah. be a, a really interesting question. He played 24 minutes well. in the finale. That was the first time he's played more than 20 in three months. So, yeah. So uh, now they've got uh, another week really to ramp up his conditioning. Uh, but especially with one of the, this nebulous knee injury 
that he's had where it's kind of soreness. I mean, that's the sort of thing where playing a bunch of minutes can cause you to get soreness again and need to shut it down again. He may still be on a minutes limit, I'm guessing, even now. And that makes sense. I mean, this Hawks team is very young. They've got a bright future ahead of them. Like, you don't want to, especially with the progress he's shown this year, like, you don't want to push it for this playoff series. Um, I guess, the yeah, the other thing, too, as I as I go through it is, who does John Collins guard if you're going to put Hunter on Randall? Yeah, it's a it's an interesting question. That's why I was thinking aloud about that that Houston game, and they kind of had him guarding perimeter guys, and that's different than having him guard, you know, RJ Barrett or even Reggie Bullock. Uh, you wouldn't want him to do yeah, that. I, I mean, maybe you'd start off putting with the starting line. Maybe you put Collins on Peyton. Like Collins just well, yeah, they, they've him. done that a little bit actually in those uh, in those Wizards games. Um, granted, without Beal, they did put Collins on Ish Smith for a little while in the fourth quarter. I remember that. Yeah, they find they finally figured out at the end of that game that you could not guard Ish, Ish Smith. Well, it sounds like uh, it sounds like Elver, Elver Payton to me. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, pretty similar in summer. I mean, not that they're going to do that as yeah. a full time look, but they could try that at some point. Sure. Yeah, I mean, then you then you've got Trey on Bullock, which is not. You know, Bullock will come off of screens. He's actually been a, a wonderful shooter this year. So that's not totally ideal. But, uh, you know, that, that might be better than putting John Collins on Barrett or uh, on Bullock as well. So that's a question to be sure. Um, yeah. Well, you, you give me too much time already uh, and I appreciate it. But uh, <laughs> please, uh, I guess, finish up your prediction. I think you were leaning Hawks there, but uh, is that is that a Hawks in six because they're the road team? Is it a Hawks in seven? Like, how, how close are you on the, on that uh, prediction? Yeah, I think if the Hawks were the home team, I probably actually would go Hawks in seven. But since they're the road team, generally the road team wins it in six. So I'm going six here. I mean, that, that probably over, or I said understates how close the series I, I think this will be, but yeah, the Hawks just have more talent than, than the Knicks do. And Trey Young to me is the best player in the series. Uh, and the Knicks, I think they're going to cause problems for the Hawks with their intensity and pressure and athleticism. And they're going to be at home and they're going to get a lot of energy from the crowd. And Randall's a little bit of a matchup issue for them as well. Uh, but I, I think the Hawks ultimately just have a little bit more talent and more shooting and just a more modern team. So I, I'm going to go with them, but this, I don't have a great de- degree of confidence in that at all. Yeah. And there's a reason this is a coin flip series in the betting market. Uh, and that kind of uh, sort of sets it up in that way. Uh, all right, Nate, well, people are probably following you already, but if you'd like to pitch your subscription podcast service, feel free to do that. You're also a host on this network as we speak on Hollinger and Duncan too. So. Yeah, that's right. Actually, I'll tell people about a new thing that Danny and I are doing. We are basically going to be calling three or four games using the hot mic app. Maybe even a Hawks Knicks game. I'm going to actually be interested to do a Hawks Knicks game because that's just with two new playoff teams, the the strategy would be super interesting. So uh, if you can just download the hot mic app and what's cool about it is you can basically it'll automatically sync our commentary up with your TV. You just hit the sync button and then you basically have us as our, as your announcers. And, uh, you know, sadly a certain TNT commentator won't be commentating this year. That actually always pushed a a lot of people to listen to us and said, but yeah, check that. I'll be tweeting out the link at Nate Duncan NBA. just been a new way to watch games 
during these playoffs. Uh, so uh, we, we have some fun with it, but also uh, get into the X's and O's and the analytics uh, a lot more than your normal broadcast would. Absolutely. Uh, check that out. And Nate, I appreciate all the time. Uh, hopefully I can return the favor of, I don't know, season preview or something next year. And we'll, we'll talk again. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Thanks. We always appreciate that. As for everybody else, subscribe to the podcast, check out Nate's stuff and we'll see you all next time.